0: Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heaven Bound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road.
1: It's great to be with you, and it's great to be with our listeners. Uh, this past week, Jason got to preach Sunday morning, it's really part of a series he's doing Uh our theme, as we're kind of wrapping up this year, is I am his and he is mine. And Jason's taking us through the life of Peter. Last week, it was... Uh I am his, he is mine through the eyes of Jesus, or through the eyes of Peter, rather. And this past week, it was through the pen of Peter. He took us through First Peter chapter 1. Great lesson on our website. We encourage you to listen to it. Get your Bible out as you listen, because there's lots of things in there you want to notice in your own text, and it will help you as you understand the idea of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jason, why don't you walk us through a little bit of that sermon, if you will. Sure. As you mentioned, we tied it to our theme, I am his, he is
0: mine, and I love that, of course, there are real-life stories in the Bible. That's why I had described a week and a half ago now as through the eyes of Peter in John chapter 21, but we don't just have historical examples of people we also have the holy spirit of god using some of those same people to communicate to the next generation people who didn't live in the region of galilee or the city of jerusalem and so we hear peter for instance in 1st peter chapter 1 readily acknowledging and it is not a problem. You don't see Jesus now. You didn't hear Jesus the way that some of these eyewitnesses did, but the Holy Spirit was using men like Peter to share with readers. I would argue then, 2,000 years ago, and even today, wherever we live, I can say the same thing that Peter could say. I can say, you can say, anybody can say, I am his,
1: I belong to Jesus, and Jesus is mine. Well, you know, we've used that this entire year as our theme, and that really came out of one of the hymns we sing. But let's begin by just talking about that once again. We've, we visited this at the beginning of the year, this, this phrase, I am his and he is mine, In our culture today, somebody might easily say, "Well, I belong to nobody. I'm myself and only myself. Why should I want to be his? I want to be mine." Yeah. And how would we how would we look at that?
0: Well, that is why, of course, we need to begin with what God has revealed to us. We need to open our eyes, our ears, most importantly, our hearts to this written revelation from God and. Uh, It's not even just a written revelation. We can go back to uh, various Psalms, Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament that tells us there is revelation all around us day after day after day that there is a God. We have just come off of, of course, one of the most beautiful stretches of the year uh, where the, the states of Indiana and Kentucky, where we are, have just been cloaked in. And reds and oranges and yellows—that's beautiful, right? Everybody acknowledges that is beautiful. Well, Scripture tells us where that beauty has come from. We have all enjoyed, or if you're listening to this, especially early on Wednesday morning, you are about to enjoy a rising of the sun, right? We have air to breathe, so on and and so forth. All of these things are testaments to the fact. I have a creator, and he is not an idol creator. He is not an absent creator. He desires a relationship with me. Now, sin is what has the, the uh, distinct possibility of, of fracturing and destroying that relationship, but he's even provided the means by which I can be reconciled to him, and the the simplest way I know to describe the, why should I care about that? Scripture describes him as the source, the giver of life. And, I compare this a lot of times to, uh, you, you get a beautiful bouquet of flowers, maybe, that you set in a living room or on the island in your kitchen, and they're just gorgeous for a few days, right? But given enough time, they begin to fade, they begin to wilt, they get very sad. Eventually, you've got to throw them out. But you know, if you think about it, that they have been dying all along. Even as they sit there beautiful on your, your kitchen counter. Why is that? They've been cut off from the source of life. And when we don't respect the fact that God created us, we belong to Him. He wants to build a relationship with us when I Cut myself off from that. I, for a little while, might have the appearance of life, but it is not the good life. It is not a sustainable life. It is most certainly not eternal life.
1: And and I'd add to that that uh, everybody belongs to somebody you know, you might say, well, no one's, no one tells me what to do. I do what I want to do. I belong to no one. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you belong to the devil. Uh, that's, it's, you either belong to God or you belong to the devil. That's all there is. Yeah. And when somebody says, well, I get to do what I want to do. Well, you're, you don't realize it, but you're dancing to the devil and that's what he wants you to do. And so really, uh, either you acknowledge the one who made you and who created you and has a home for you or you ignore him and deny him. Him and you're that cut flower You're going to just wither up and die And that's not going to be where you want to be yeah. So, so that, that's why this theme is so important to us And that's why as we go back And have lessons that remind us of this It helps us to keep before us That God seeks us and God wants us, and the best life is the life that's wrapped around God, and that, that's what we're trying to get across as we preach and look at these things through God's Word. The importance of such things. Now, as you were preaching Sunday, going through First Peter, uh, first of all, as we I was preaching that because it's a really good sermon. It's really a really good sermon. And sometimes you hear somebody else and say, "Man, I wish I could preach like that," but you know, I'm getting a little over that. You're very kind. So, but one of the one of the thoughts that came to my mind are bigger than that initial sermons. It's really all the sermons, and that is, how does, how does a person listen to a sermon? You know, we preachers talk about how we write a sermon and how we develop a sermon. We plug in the PowerPoints, and we get all the note cards, and there, there's a whole a whole week of work that goes into one sermon, but a guy shows up or a family shows up and what would you tell them, Jason? What should I do to help me listen to a sermon? Yeah, well, let me
0: give you uh, the the biggest foundational thing that comes to my mind, and then I'm going to kick it back to you and see what else comes to your mind. Maybe we can have a little back and forth. But it sure does seem to me like Paul, Peter, others wanted people to understand what we are sharing with you is not ourselves this is the word of god and so paul for instance in 1thessalonians 2:13 says of those thessalonians we thank god constantly for this that when you received the word of god which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is the word of god which is at work in you believers we heard the same thing from peter this past sunday morning in 1 peter chapter 1 he he lays all of the cards on the table and says I am one in a long line of messengers that have been carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what we are seeking to do is serve you by sharing with you the word of God. And so, okay, how do I listen to a sermon? As you mentioned, first of all, there is an enormous responsibility and privilege on the messenger, right, to carefully prayerfully, humbly prepared to make sure, listen, this, this is not the time to share my own ideas. This is not the time for everything that I say to be built on my opinions or conjectures. It is my responsibility to give voice to the Word of God. Preach the Word is what Paul told Timothy. And then, okay, most foundationally as a listener, I need to listen with an open heart, an open Bible, be like those Bereans we talked about several weeks ago from Acts, who carefully listen and are considering is what I'm hearing in harmony with the Holy Scriptures. And if they are, okay, I need to look past the messenger And realize this is communication from my creator. Sure does seem to me if we work on, okay, focusing techniques and we're, you know, respectfully dressed and we're on time and, you know, we're, we're quiet and put together and respectful. Uh, but we're just bumps on a log and not allowing the gravity of these are God's words to shape everything then we're already in left field.
1: So that that's foundational. What would you add? Well, you know, and with that, you know, I think Satan is everywhere, and I think Satan gets into the church. But one of the things he's going to do is is preoccupy us and distract us. And so I come in, and i got the whole world run through my mind. I'm thinking about what I've got to do this afternoon. I've got to think about work tomorrow. I've got to think about the kids need this. Got to take the dog here. Just a zillion thoughts in my mind. I sat through a worship service, but I haven't worshiped. Yeah. You know, and, and, that's the difference from going to church, as we say, and worshiping. Uh, but while you're in there, there's all kinds of distractions. There's little babies crying. There's people getting up to go out for this reason or that reason. There's, there's noise here and noise there. And if I keep turning my head all around looking at all that stuff, again, I sat in the church building. But have I worshiped? Yeah. One of the thoughts that really helps me is is that one of the hymns we sing, that is, open my eyes that I may see Jesus. And And I think that's paramount as we think about sitting down and listening to a sermon. Now, some people will gather and they come with a critical eye, much like they listen to Jesus, looking for mistakes. And, oh, the preacher misused this word. He, he read the wrong verse or there's a word misspelled on the note card and, and they've come, but they're like that old English teacher and all they do is have their red pen out to gather mistakes. Have they learned anything? No, not really. Not really. Yeah.
0: I, I love how you, you've highlighted that hymn. I would just say <laughs> we would all do well to pray even before we get to the church building. We would all do well as, as much as is humanly possible. Circumstances, I realize here and there get challenging, but we would all do well just to get a good night's rest. I, I have a friend that I hear frequently say here and there Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision and I I like that 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 gets everybody in the frame of mind that okay Even the way that I prepare my mind, my body on Saturday evening, if this really is, as we say, week in and week out, the best day of the week, you know, if I'm I'm really excited about something on a Saturday that's going to involve a lot of mental energy, even physical energy, I'm going to make sure I get a good night's rest on Friday so I can thoroughly enjoy that. This is activity. We're not spectators, right? Worship is a verb and even the act
1: of listening. Uh, that 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 demands something from all of us. You know, I, I've always phrased it this way: If you have Saturday Night Live, you have Sunday Morning Dead. There you and, go. And, and, uh, <laughs> that'll have so so for young parents. What this means is, you know, get the kids' clothes laid out Saturday evening. Find their Bibles. Get it. You know, you're running around Sunday morning, and you can't find this. You can't find this, and you start off the day stressed and worried and bothered, and that's how your worship begins. So, so, eliminate that. Get things ready on Saturday to prepare your mind. Uh, come with a heart eager come with the idea that I'm going to learn. So I'm going to bring my Bible. I'm going to bring a pen or pencil so I can write things down because I want to remember these things. I want to see, as as the preacher's going through, as Jason did this past Sunday through 1 Peter 1, I'm going to see some things that maybe I've never seen before, and I want to remember that. So I want to write these things down, and I'm going to maybe even underline words in my Bible so the next time it will come back to me and it will help me. But all of that is, is... you know, uh, things that we can do as the audience. We sometimes think the whole job is on the preacher, but a lot of it belongs to the audience and you can have the most fantastic sermon, but if the audience is not prepared, they're preoccupied, their mind is somewhere else, nothing happens. And so that bridge between the sermon and the audience is an important bridge that we travel. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so going to your sermon and talking about some of these things, you know, your your three major points was according to and in and for, as as Peter is addressing uh, what God had done for them. And then he went through the section, he is mine. Again, very similar to our theme, I am his and he is mine. And then you talked about I am his and that concept. And within that he is mind section mm-hmm. there's several questions i I want to ask about this you You brought up grace, and from first Peter one, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to me. Well, why does a person need grace if they 're obeying god yeah well i first of all, if we
0: just lean on first Peter chapter one, we heard him in verse fourteen, for instance. Talk about how we all have participated in the passions of ignorance. For a, a disciple of Jesus, it is the passions of former ignorance, right? But if you think about those two words, passions and ignorance, um, passions is I'm just doing whatever it is that I want to do. I'm, I, I'm not submitting myself to God. And ignorance is I'm living as if he isn't even there, which is why one of the key words all over First Peter and even into Second Peter is grace. He will describe God in first Peter five as the God of all grace, and so grace is extended to us in order to bring us into fellowship with him, but if anyone as a disciple knew had a front row seat to Grace is not a one-time event. I continue to need the grace of God. Surely it's this man. That's why we started in uh, lesson one of this series in John 21. I mean, this was the man who had confessed in Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He had walked on water. He had seen the transfiguration. He was there when people were raised from the dead. But he knew what it was to stumble and even deny that he knew Jesus. And so grace, it sure does seem to me as we read his writings is, is something that is Peter is
1: keenly aware of, but it is very precious to him. So it's really not a choice, either grace or obedience. They go together. Yeah. And with our obedience, that's not enough. We're going to need God's grace. And so they they are hooked together, and they're needful. And that's without the grace of God, we have no hope. Right. And, that, and that leads us to a second point you brought up here, and that's in verse 3 of First Peter 1, where he talked about that he calls us to be born again to a living hope. Not just hope, but a living hope. What, right. what, what does it mean by living hope, and what is there the hope for?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by those two words put together, and I, I shared on Sunday that Not all of life is hopeful, and not all hope is alive, but when you put those two words together, and especially when God puts them together, that's powerful, and Peter ties it to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That was the very epicenter of Peter's hope, Paul's hope, James, John, whoever you want to talk about, this was it, right? And this is what drives Peter, even as a an old man, to continue on if we are to believe the, the earliest historical records outside of the Gospels, and I, I know of no reason why we should doubt them. This is a man that would eventually be crucified, just as it seems Jesus is foretelling there in John 21 crucified for his faith. How can he know Jesus has foretold you're going to die in some really unpleasant circumstances? How can he continue to press on doing what he's doing? Well, he has hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believes even if I die a horrific death, that is not the end of my story. And through Jesus, I will ultimately be the
1: victor. And that's it, and, and that's that hope that we have. It's not just for a better life here. It's not that everything's going to work out that I want. It's eternity with God, and that's that's the running theme through all this, and that's why I got Peter going through some of these things, as yeah. as we have looked at already. Now, uh, another section here, you talked about I am guarded by God. He He would say in verse 7, uh about God has been has been protecting us and God has helped us and uh, particularly there that uh, God has uh, protected us so, yeah. so in what ways does God? guard us. Yeah. Verse five is you're being guarded through
0: faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, Peter lived in the days, of course, of the Roman Empire. And so it is not uncommon at all to hear these writers of the New Testament use language that they would have been familiar with and, and many others. It reminds me of those haunting ways that the gospel writers describe Peter as following Jesus at a distance there as Jesus is being paraded from trial to trial. And I, I believe with all of my heart, if we could sit down and talk with him, that's probably where he would begin to tell us it it started to go downhill. There was distance created between him and the Lord. And so as he is writing, he is encouraging believers wherever and whenever we live stick close to Jesus. Paul would put it in in Ephesians chapter 6 as stand strong in the strength that God supplies. And so he uses this guarding language or soldier language that, okay, it's time to take up the whole armor of God. Put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and readiness of the gospel of peace and take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Put on every day the helmet of salvation and be devoted to consistent, fervent prayer. If I do that, what these New Testament writers are telling me is, I will be guarded in strength that God supplies. The other element there in First Peter 1 is my inheritance is kept in heaven, and there is no one, no thing that can threaten that as
1: long as I follow Jesus. That was a great thought. Just one other question I want to bring up, then we'll kind of talk about what we're doing tonight. And in verse 13, Peter says, keep sober in the spirit. Yeah. And when we hear that word sober, the first thing we think of is intoxicated. Mm-hmm. We think of someone who's drunk with alcohol. What's he mean as he writes to Christians, keep sober in spirit?
0: Yeah, the English Standard Version renders that sober-minded, and maybe that's a, a, an easier way to wrap my mind around it. I, I'll i go back to what he had said just before this, the don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He will go on as the letter unfolds to talk about all sorts of carousing and drinking parties and drunkenness. And so that certainly can play a role in this, right? Don't do anything that is going to make it harder for you to make wise, careful, Christ exalting decisions, but it's more than just intoxication, right? It's, it's my mindset. It's my perspective. What is my hope resting on? It, where is my mind set? He, he says there in the same verse, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's just another way to come full circle to I am not my own. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the body that the Lord has given me. If I'm a disciple of Christ, I have been ransomed. It is now time for me to glorify God in my body. And so sober-minded is living each day with this simple anthem. I am his,
1: and he is mine. You know, and I think another way, another perspective is is there's some things in life we just need to take seriously. Yeah. Not all life is a joke. Not everything is a ha ha time. Happiness and fun is not what everything's about. And so to be sober, to be serious about what we're doing, our walk with God. That's that's kind of what's uh, wrapped up in those concepts as we think about that. Well, this is Wednesday. I appreciate you walking through it with me, definitely. You're going to be in the
0: auditorium, 7 o'clock this evening. What and do you have lined up?
1: We continue our series on Profile of Serving, and we're going to look at helping those who are already helping. and. A wonderful little lesson about Jethro and Moses, and we'll talk about how we help one another.
0: All right. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are wrapping up a little five-part series where we've been exploring what is wisdom. And tonight, we will bring all of those threads together and just talk about Asking the question in various instances of life, what is the wise thing to do? We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. Roger, I'm going to be serving the Sunday morning ball back to
1: you this weekend. Absolutely. We're going to look at Mark chapter 13, and we're going to look at the question, when, W-H-E-N. And when is a question. Uh, When are we going to be there? That's what kids ask all the time. (laughs) When involves time. When's this going to happen? And there's a time in Mark 13 where the disciples asked the Lord about when, and we're going to walk through that with you on Sunday. Lord willing,
0: Sunday night at 5 o'clock p.m., I'm just going to continue to walk with you in Peter. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2, continuing to look at I am his and he is mine through the pen of Peter. I appreciate very much, Roger, your encouraging words. It was encouraging to me to hear from several on Sunday and uh, all All that came to my mind was, well, Peter, the Holy Spirit did the hard work. I just walked through it with all of us. But that's a that's a privilege that we both very much appreciate. And we appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We are already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us.